there. Now you can't go out and exercise like you wanted to. And Stephen, how, how many pounds you say you lost? Oh, I thought you. Oh, I thought you were bragging about that. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, so thank you for putting your Pokemon Go on hold for just a little bit during the service and. And I know some of this, this is probably your second time through, right? You did the cards, now you're doing the app, and 10 years from now, you'll do something else. So, um, but, uh, and if you're wondering where my wife is, she's at a uh, little mini women's retreat this weekend, so she's at a getaway. It's her, it's all her homeschool moms, except she's not homeschooling anymore. So this may be her last trip. So uh, our boys are going to North Carolina Leadership Academy next year, so she has done her homeschooling for the last 20 years or whatever. So she's entering a new phase in her life. But uh, Pastor Stephen has been talking about holistic transformation for a while now. And he's been talking about uh, spirit, uh, soul, and body and, and, and how to bring wholeness to your life in those areas. And uh, Kristen, um, a couple of weeks ago on July 4th weekend, she talked about uh, freedom. And she talked about what American freedom is and also what Christian freedom was. And that was a great talk. If you have not heard that, you need to go and check it out on, um, on, the, on our website and listen to the podcast. But let's pray real quick, and then we'll get started. Lord God, we just come before you and thank you for what you're doing, Lord God, and just ask that you would just continue to do and complete what you started. Lord God, I just pray that you would just use me. Lord God, use my voice, use my mind, and uh, uh, work through me, and uh, that, that I may decrease, that you, you may increase in me. Lord God, give us uh, ears to hear, hearts to receive what you have. Lord God, we just lift up our pastors to you right now, and um, as they are in sabbatical, and, and the Shamburgers also. Lord God, we pray that you would just help us ever be mindful of praying for our pastors on a regular basis. Lord God, and we lift them up to you. And so we just continue to give this service to you today in Jesus' name. Well, my title of my message today is going to be on, it's going to be on the life of Joseph a little bit. And, and the question of the, of the message, title of the message is, what coat are you wearing? And so uh, Joseph is one of my favorite um, stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and I just love the stories of overcoming and seeing how people have, have gone through some things and walked through some stuff and uh, keep fighting and keep going, even when life circumstances aren't always the best. And, um, but they keep on pushing through the hardships and challenges. And, and you know, we get the Olympics coming up here in, in August, and you're going to sort of see that on a sports realm a little bit. And, but I love some of the stories just of sometimes how did they get there? All the overcoming that they had just to get to the Olympics, not, not including winning the Olympics. You know, you hear the stories of the financial hardships or the families or the different things that people had to go to just to get there. And I, I love those stories and hearing what, what people had to go through. And, you know, sort of on a side note is one thing, I, I, you know, as parents sometimes is that we try to keep our children from failing. And I don't think that's all the time necessarily the best thing. I think our children need to understand how to work through failure themselves, 
how to overcome struggles in their life. You know, when, when we got, when you started riding a bike and you, you failed the first time and you fell, you didn't stop riding the bike. Your parents got you back on and you kept you going and kept you know, moving forward. And it may have taken you three, four, five, ten times to get it, get it going again. And you learned to overcome. And sometimes as parents, we sometimes shield our kids from failure. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Because guess what? We had to fight our own giants. They got to fight their own giants. And they have to learn how to have a dependency on the Lord, not on you, to overcome their battles. That's just, I'm sorry, that's a side note. That's a rabbit. We have come back into the building now, back to the life of Joseph. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> All right, we're going to look at uh, Genesis 37, and we're going to start in verse 2. We're going to skip through several different, um, we're going to hit some scripture. We're going to skip over because it's a long segment, and we don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but you can go back and read it for yourself in Genesis. And I thought that I had this version, but I'm going to be reading from the um, uh, NASV version, and this is a different, but I think it's close. So hopefully there won't be too much confusion here. So Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. And while he was still a youth, and Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his other sons because he was a son of his old age, and he made himself a, a very colored tunic. Some others say multicolored coat or uh, different versions of that. But his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his other brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Verse five, then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, please listen to this dream, which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect, and behold, your sheep gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brothers said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now here Joseph is, he's 17 years old, maybe a little bit confident, borderline cocky, all right? You know, at 17, 18 years old, you know everything, so there's not much to learn after that time period in your life, okay? So um, he's been, you know, God shares a dream with him, and he probably also had some discernment issues, okay? Because just because the Lord speaks something to you doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to immediately go and speak that to somebody else, all right. Sometimes he's telling you those things so that you hold them and pray for them. And you may never get to share that with the other person. All right. Um, so he had some discernment issues and thought he could just tell what was going on. But obviously God had a plan there. And um, so Israel loved him more than all his other sons and gave him this coat. So he thought he was special also. So his brothers get jealous, and one day his, his father is going to send them uh, or send him off to check on his brothers, and so his brothers see him coming from afar, and they decide, hey, let's kill him, all right? So he's getting closer, and then one of the brothers decides, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit, and then we'll decide what to do from there. 
And then some slave traders came through. They sold him into slavery, and they thought, good, everything's done. They took his coat. They messed it up, put some uh, animal blood on it, and brought it back to his father and said, hey, is this, is this Joseph's coat? He obviously has been torn up by an animal and killed. And so they thought everything was good. That's been the past. Now we're done with that. So we pick up in Genesis 39.1. It says, now Joseph's been taking taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer of his house and all that he owned, and Put in charge, and it came about from that time he made an overseer in his house and all that he owned. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on according on account of jo- Joseph. Thus the Lord blessings uh, upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. I, I hope we get this, is that when we work for other people as Christians, we should be a blessing to those we work for, okay? And there should be a a residue of blessing that comes off of us because we're Christians and even to the ungodly. And um, so there should be something, there should be a a reflection of the Lord on us to other people. You know, we've been going down to Dartmouth on Wednesday nights, and and um, we take our, our youngest two down there, and, and Suzanne, and um, we go by and we pick up Debbie Bean on the way in. And before Debbie Bean ever comes into our car and she comes out of the house, she has this joy of the Lord on her. And it is radiant. And before she even says a word, she changes the environment where she's at. And she just comes out, and, you, and she just loves to minister to those kids and be with those kids and just the smile and the joy of the Lord on her. And, and that's how we should be, okay? That doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days and those type of things, but there should be something that flows out of us into other people, okay? So going back to Scripture. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came about after... Um, came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house, and he has put all that he owned in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I am, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie, with, lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me, and he left his garment in her hand, fled, and went outside. We're going to move down to verse 16. She, so she left his garment beside her until his, her master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words. The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to me to make sport of me, and I raised my voice and screamed, and he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Have you ever been falsely accused before? 
You know, it could be when you were younger and somebody accused you of cheating or stealing or something like that, or, you know, people that don't know your heart, don't know your ideas, don't know who you are, and yet they falsely accuse you of something you've never done or would even think of doing. You know, if, if you're a leader or if you're in a, a situation at work that you oversee people or, um, you know, that is going to happen all the time. They're going to accuse you of things. If you do good work, you have good work ethic, you don't cut corners, you do the right thing, you go the extra mile, and, um, and you're a good and faithful worker to somebody else, you separate yourself from the masses tremendously because most people want to do the absolute least to get the maximum benefit. And if you have character and integrity and good work ethic, and all, you separate yourself from the masses, and they're going to be like crabs in a bucket. If you have one crab in a bucket, they can get out. You have three or four crabs in a bucket. Every time somebody starts to get out, they pull you back down. And that's what you're trying to do by false ac accusations. And so, you know, being a coach, I get that all the time. All right? Everybody knows more than me and, and, um, and how they would coach my team and so forth. I get that all the time. But I'm not going there. That's a whole other message. Um, but here Joseph was. You know, he's been falsely accused. Okay, by Potiphar's wife. And in that time period, just an accusation could have been his life, right? If when God's protection, he could have been a dead man. My first point today is this. I actually made several points, but here's number one. Number one, nobody likes being falsely accused. Nobody likes that. But how you handle the situation may determine how your destiny unfolds. Do you get bitter? Do you get angry? Do you, are you offended by accusations that are, are flying about you? Do you like to wear that almost like a gold medal? Some of the Olympians have that, if, that medal of offense towards another person. You know, I heard this once. It said, godly character. It says, doing what's right even when you've been done wrong and could get away with doing wrong back. Doing what's right, even when you've been done wrong and could get away with doing what's wrong back. You know, the Bible tells us that we need to come in the opposite spirit. You know, I was having some issues with some, some of my parents this, this past season. And the funny thing is my wife gets it a lot more than me. She now, she used to sit with our parents, and now she sits as far away as she can from her parents, but, um, but she still hears it and so forth, and, and obviously she doesn't like hearing what she hears about me and, and so forth, and so I actually went, I just found this the other day, I, I went and made me a little card of all these uh, Bible verses of how should I handle when people do these things, and you know, like Matthew 5, 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you Blessed are you, when, you um, when they insult you and persecute you falsely, saying every kind of evil against you because of me. An undeserved curse goes nowhere. You know, blessed are those who persecute you, and blessed do not curse. Do not repay anyone with evil for evil. And, and several others that I wrote down because I did not want to have the wrong spirit dealing with my parents. And so I was 
praying for them on a regular basis and blessing them so that I didn't get affected by the curse, curses from them and the false accusations. So let's pick up with Joseph again in verse 20. So, so Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail in the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was in there in the jail, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. So then we get into chapter 40. And the cupbearer and the baker are also in jail. They have a dream, but they can't interpret it. So they're trying to find somebody that will do this. And then eventually Joseph is able to interpret their dreams. One is for blessing. So the cupbearer would be restored back to his previous job, basically. And then the baker will be put to death. So, um, and both of those came true. And so later, in, before they left, Joseph in verse 14 and 23, two things he said to him was, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. And then 23, it says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. You know, sometimes that's like us, is we think, that um, maybe even the Lord has forgotten about us. You know, some of you have been going through some, some junk or some things, some challenges in your life, health, financial, or maybe life hasn't exactly laid out exactly like you thought it would. You know, I th Felicia, that was interesting, that quote you said. You said, while, while you're waiting, God is working. That fits right in here. Because the second point, and, I, and I, want you to, I want you to look at me on this. God has not forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about you. Maybe you, the Lord spoke to you a while back. Maybe you've gotten a prophecy. And you are continually still waiting for that to happen. God has not forgotten about you. You know, whatever your situation may be, wanting children, being married, need a new job, financial breakthrough, restoring health, God has not forgotten about you. You know, sometimes our life is like a puzzle and for those pieces to start to come into play so that we can see what that puzzle looks like, sometimes God has to work on us first. You know, sometimes he's got to root out bitterness, selfishness, attitudes, increase our faith. He has to do something in us before that picture starts to be displayed. And God is not in a rush sad to say. We are, but God is not in a rush. You know, um, my JV coach came over to our house a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday morning, and, and he started sharing what God is, was doing in his life, and, and uh, God is now promoting him 
and uh, increasing his income uh, three times what he what he was doing at Ragsdale, and and so he was sharing us a little bit about a prophecy that he had gotten 12 years ago, before he was married, before four kids, and he's been waiting on this prophecy and and hasn't seen any anything lining up with that prophecy at all until recently, and then in this promotion, God is reminding him of what he spoke to him 12 years ago. And so um, it's interesting he can start to see some of those things. It hasn't happened yet, but he can start to see some of the picture a little bit happening. You know, whether you like them or not, Alabama football is some of the best college football. Don't shake your head, Jackie. I see. Um, I'm not an Alabama fan, so I'm not going there. but, um, But Alabama knows something about football right now. Nick Saban is doing a pretty good job, and, you know, if when you go to Alabama, you're going to know exactly what you need to do, you, what practice, how you're going to practice, how you're going to lift weights, how you're going to diet, how you're going to study, your study hall. All these things are going to be laid out for you, and, and when it does, because eventually, in, if you go to Alabama and you're there for three or four years, most likely, right now, you're going to probably win a national championship, maybe two or three. You're probably going to win a Southeast Conference championship. And you're going to know the process when you get there as a freshman, what, is, what you're supposed to do to be in, a, in, in, in that till you become a champion at some point when you're there. And Nick Saban calls it the process. That's their term. And every guy that comes in that program knows it's the process. And if you go through the process, you will like the end result. Now, that doesn't mean the process is easy. That doesn't mean the process is fun. But if you put in the work in the process, you will eventually come out. And when you leave Alabama, you will have something to show for it, probably, on your finger. Okay, and so guess what? God has a process. And we have to go through a process just like they do so that we can come out on the end to be the woman or man of God that we need to be in our life. Um, Stephen gave, uh, gave me this book, and some of you also have this book, and, and I want to read a sort of a snippet. And it's called, the book is called Torn, Trusting God When Life Leaves You in Pieces. And he says, you've been called to, you've called us to follow you, not to make sense of all the stuff going on. When our world falls apart and the pain of life settles in, yes, we are looking for explanations and meanings and rationales, but even more, so we want assurance. Yes, we want answers, but These cries of pain, whether to God explicitly or just into the universe, are evident in the explicit trust that something or someone greater, someone has answers. Is it out there? Our hearts are rocked with regret, sin, failures, flaws, and in our distress, we ache for resolution, restoration, and renewal. A battle is waged within us with every why question we entertain. Why me? Why God didn't you fill in the blank? Why was that person texting while driving? Why didn't the doctors catch that sooner? Why did the chemo not work? 
Why did he leave me and the kids? Why? But the danger with this why question is that they lead to dark, confused, frustrating, lonely, and disconnected place. Think about it. Why doesn't bring healing? Does why bring closure? Why keeps you in the past, blocks you from moving forward? Why keeps you stuck in the pain and chokes out the potential to heal? This is the reason that the better question, the question Christians should move into sooner than later is who? Who is in charge? Who is in control? Who has all things in his hand? Who will make all things right? Who is restoring all things? Big difference between why and who. So we go back to the story of Joseph. And we go from God has not forgotten about you. And now the cupbearer, or the Pharaoh has a dream. And he can't interpret it, and nobody around him can interpret it. Except for the cupbearer says, oh yeah, Joseph. And so he tells Pharaoh about him. He brings Joseph to him. Joseph interprets his dream. And the dream is basically there's going to be seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. And because of the famine, his father would eventually send his brothers to Egypt to get food. So now the story has come full circle. And so the brothers are now coming, like, like the dream said, coming back to him. The third point I want to make today is we don't always get to pick our team of destiny. Our dream team. We don't always get to pick them. Do you think Joseph would have picked his brothers, per se? Maybe. His family, but didn't seem like that was a good family. Would he have picked the slave traders coming through? Would he have picked Potiphar or Potiphar's wife? Would he have picked the jailer, the cupbearer, the baker, Pharaoh? Would he have picked all them? I don't think so. He went from dreamer to slave, to success to accused, to prisoner to interpreter, to leader to provider and protector for his family. All kinds of different levels. You know, if you, when you look back at your own life and the people that have made you who you are today, some of them are good and some of them aren't. But sometimes we don't choose those people in our lives but God does. Getting back to Genesis again, Genesis 50, 18 says, then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And so he comforted them and spoke them, spoke kindly to them. There is one player on his team that stood out above all the rest, and that was his father. And if you went back to Genesis 37, 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his, all of his other sons, and because he was a son of his old age, he gave him a multicolored tunic. You know, 
that coat represented many things. It represented redemption. It, it represented covenant. And the colors in that coat had meaning. Color to God, to the Egyptians, and to the Hebrews had a lot of meaning in it. Obviously, God gave us the rainbow as a covenant to us. Multicolored, right? Well, in this jacket, there was probably three colors. Number one was there's probably green. And green represents growth. It represents overcoming. It rep represents moving forward, pressing through situations. Red represented battle. It, it represented that we must fight, that we must learn to overcome, that when you're going through stuff, you need to get in God's word and take that word and go to battle with it. That's what it is. It's a sword for you to fight. And so that's what red represents. Gold, or I'm sorry, yellow, was one of their favorite colors because it represented wealth. It represented gold. But gold also has to go through a refining quality in order to, fat, to, to make it exactly the way you want it to be used. Am I right? Because you can't just take a gold block and do something with it. It's got to be made into something. And it has to go through a fire in order to make something happen. We have the Olympics coming up. How many people like to watch track and field? All right. Before you get to the finals, what do you have to go through in order to get there? The qualifying heat. The qualifying heat. And if you don't go through the qualifying heat, you never make it to the end. And isn't that interesting? And some of you right now are going through your qualifying heat. And it's okay. And so my question to today to end is what coat are you wearing? Ben, you can come up. What coat are you wearing? Can we all stand up to our feet? We can all bow our heads and we'll pray. Lord God, I just, I thank you that we can come before you and learn from your word and understand that you have not forgotten about us. You have not forgotten about us. And that you care for us and want us to walk in wholeness and righteousness and holiness and covered by the blood of Jesus. Today, Lord God, we are asking you to do a new thing in us, a new thing in us and get rid of the bondages of the past that have held us back, held us captive, and kept us from the things that we're supposed to accomplish in you. As we're praying, 
Some of you were giving. God gave you a great father. Gave you a beautiful coat to wear. Your father wrapped you with love and honor, a family name, blessing, life principles, encouraging words. What a blessing that he was able to give that to you. But I also know that there's people in this room that maybe didn't have that same experience. And your positive interaction with your father may not have been there. Maybe you didn't have a family that was intact or loving or caring. Maybe for you, it was more of an emotional, mental, or even a spiritual survival. Finding ways to try to protect yourself at all costs. Disengage yourself from your family best you can. The coat you're wearing looks more like having colors of rejection or perfectionism, guilt, or even shame. Maybe you felt alone, empty, or even unsuccessful in life because the coat you're wearing you could not seem to remove or get rid of. Maybe your coat you're wearing is because you've been hurt by a parent, maybe a teacher or somebody who's close to you has spoken negative curses on you and you cannot seem to shake them from your life. They just seem to always be there whispering to you, you're no good, you're not good enough, you're not worthy. Maybe there's even been some here that have had some type of abuse in your past that you can't seem to get free from. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of freedom. If any of these things I just shared, if that is you, can you please raise your hand? Praise God. Today, Lord God, can we all just lift our hands to the Lord? Lord, we just come before you and we just remove the coat that the devil wants to put around us and we just take it off right now. We just take it off and remove it from our lives if there is any shame or guilt or anything that, that we have not dealt with in our lives right now, Lord God, we just ask that you would just remove it right now. Those of you that raise your hands, I want you to almost take almost like a, just act like you're taking off that coat. Take off that coat and throw it on the floor and step on it. 
And now, as you raise your hands, the Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray you will come and clothe them with your coat of grace, with your coat of love, with your coat of glory, with your coat that will change all things, Lord God. And we pray that you will clothe them with righteousness, holiness, and that the things that were hard now will become easy. So we just pray, we thank you, Lord God, that we can have freedom in you. Freedom. Lord God, thank you, Lord God. You're a loving God, a loving Father. We're going to finish up with this song and just, just engage with Ben as we worship here.